they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers here on uh, Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Amen. And uh, we, we usually start here with the, um, the scripture readings, but we were going to start today with a question someone had asked about they're just um, getting back into their faith. They have never been fervent in reading the Bible. They haven't read the Bible before. And they were mm-hmm. wondering, where do I start? Where should I start? Mm-hmm. Well, my own personal advice for reading the Bible would be to start with the Gospels because the Gospels... It's kind of like starting at the end but going and going backwards. But that's okay because the whole scripture speaks to us of Christ. And the whole scripture is, is, is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment. He is the promise. He is the fulfillment. And so you begin, with, I would say, with the, with the, with the, with the um, Gospels. And I suggest that you begin with the Gospel of Matthew because Matthew was the first Gospel written. Yeah, we know that from history. There's, there's extra, you know, outside the Bible evidence mm-hmm. from the fathers of the church that Matthew wrote his gospel before the other gospels were written. And it's not, the church never looked at it as four separate gospels. It's a fourfold gospel. It's like looking at a diamond that has four facets. Mm-hmm. And if you don't look at all four of them, you're going to miss something. All four of them have their own unique way of presenting, but it's all historically solid. It is the church affirms and second Vatican council says unhesitatingly affirms the historicity of the fourfold gospel. And she calls it the fourfold gospel Mm -hmm. according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and that the gospels give us what Jesus really did and taught while living among men for their salvation. Yes, but there wasn't anything that he didn't taught that wasn't for their salvation. So everything in the gospels is authentic. It is historically authentic and it really gives us the picture of Christ. And then in terms of the old Testament, well, I mean, you can start with Genesis and, and read through Genesis first, especially the very beginning of Genesis and the Genesis 3.15, the promise of the Messiah. But, um, and some books are a little difficult, more difficult to read, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, because they have to do with um, the way God taught his people how to worship and the laws, the different laws he laid down. But they are important. But don't get bogged down in them. Maybe read through them once or twice and, and get a good commentary, maybe the Scott Hahn, the Ignatius uh, Catholic Study Bible mm-hmm. will give you some good explanation, help you maneuver through those. I would suggest also praying the Psalms, the wisdom books, especially the Psalms every day. Jesus and Mary prayed the Psalms every day. This was their prayer book. I want to also add something. Dr. Scott Hahn did a series years ago called Salvation History on yes. the Old Testament. Yes, he did. And he connected all the dots, okay, That's for beautiful. Old Testament. Because he said, and he's, he's just quoting the saints, that if you don't understand the Old Testament, you miss so much of the New. Right, right. And I also want to recommend, you can get that from us, Salvation History. We do have that. And if you call 877-526-2151, the folks upstairs will definitely get you that series on an MP3 disc. And one more set for the New Testament. Brand new reader, I don't think it's too early to understand what you just said about the inerrancy of Scripture. Right. Can we trust the Bible? Absolutely. By Dr. Scott Hall. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. an eight-hour course. Now, again, these were all courses he taught at Steubenville. He still right. teaches these, but 
You have the time to sign up and spend a couple thousand dollars for the courses? No, but you can get them here. You can get them here for just a donation. That's all I ask to help us because understanding the Bible is the key in understanding who Jesus Christ is. Right, right. And so that's that would be my recommendation. Start with the Gospels Great. and then move through. And don't don't stop with the Gospel. I mean, continue to continue reading the New Testament. There's a lot there. Um, and and try and make maybe make it your daily meditation. Every day, spend 15 minutes reading the Scriptures and spend 10 or 15 minutes thinking about it and trying to enter into a conversation with our Lord about that particular passage. And today's reading um, for the first reading of the Mass was from Romans, and it's Romans 8, um, 18 through 25, where Paul talks about um, taking, he says that the sufferings of the present age cannot be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us in Christ Jesus. And so the created world awaits with eager expectation the day when those who are sons of God will be displayed in all their glory. The whole created world is waiting with eager expectation for the revelation of the sons of God. That is us in, the, in all our glory. They're waiting, the, the whole created world. For the created world has been subject to chaos, not because of its own choice, but through him who passed the sentence of such subjugation upon it. And yet it still has the hope that the created world will also be liberated from this slavery to decay and will be brought to the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation unites together in groans and agonies. Not only does the created world do so, but so do we, even though we have received the first fruits of the Spirit as a foretaste of the coming glory. Yes, we too groan within ourselves, earnestly awaiting the full realization of our adoption into the family of God. I mean the redemption of our bodies. Amen. For it is by hope that we are saved, but a hope which is already visible is not a hope. For we hope for what, for who hopes for what he already sees. But if we hope for what we do not see, then in patience we eagerly wait for it. So Paul is telling us mm. that the sufferings of the moment are in comparison, they're nothing. Mm. In comparisons to the glory. But you know what? Do we take the time to think about the glory? One of the reasons we're having such a difficulty with suffering nowadays is because we've lost our hope. Yeah. We no longer have hope. We're not able to sacrifice. You know, faith, the work of faith is prayer. Yep. You know, if you hope if you have faith, you pray. The work of hope is mortification. And our age has a difficult time with mortification and being being able to suffer with Christ. Because we no longer hope for eternity. We, we're fixing our hope on the things of this world, but the things of this world are passing away. And it's not just man. You know, when man sinned, he fell from God's grace. And he lost specific gifts that God had given him that were above and beyond his nature. Those are called the preternatural gifts. Exactly. But in addition to that, all of creation fell. And all of creation became subject to fertility. It was like... It was now decaying. Everything was decaying and falling apart. But Paul doesn't despair. He's not in despair. He's not saying, oh, look at the world around me. All there is is death. And it's, you know, a child is born and a child dies. And, you know, like, you know and, and by the way, vanity of vanities that uh, says Kohaleth, all things are vanity and a chase after the wind. That book is not a book of despair. 
it's saying that if we fix our th- mm. our hope on the things of this world, there's no we already see the things of this world. There's no reason to hope in that. Everything in this world is decaying and passing away. But if we fix our hope in God, it is in God that we hope and for eternal life, for union with God in heaven. And that glory, God shares his glory with us. God has no problem sharing his glory. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons and he made us to share in his own life. That's why he created us, to draw us into life, into union with himself, to live not just in heaven, but to begin on earth this life. And and so the whole creation awaits this moment when God will reveal the full redemption, which will be when the world as we know it has passed away, and then there will be a new heavens and a new earth. But that's not until this world as we know it has passed away and we will be with God in the new heavens and the new earth. God will be all in all. It's God who is the focus. And that's our hope. And we don't see that right now. We see that the tragedy around us, but Paul doesn't despair. And we as Christians can't despair. It's that personal holiness, that union with God that gets us through the hard times. Well said, Mary. I just think of a book I read years ago. It says this, uh, how many of us today, for example, hesitate to give their entire lives to God because they do not have the confidence that God is capable of making (laughs) them completely happy. And they seek to assure their own happiness by themselves. Exactly. And they make themselves sad and unhappy in the process. That's what's going on. Now think about this. Who's behind that? This is precisely the great victory of the father of lies, of the accuser, succeeding in putting into our hearts of a child of God, distrust right. of the Father. And we have to go back to what we just saw, the movie. If you didn't hear, the, there's a movie out called uh, Faustina, yeah. and it's Jesus, I trust in thee. Jesus, and I trust we in should thee. be saying that. This, th- it inspired me, Mary, because of what you're just saying in the movie last night about Jesus, I trust in thee. Say that often during the day. Right. And because we need that trust. We need that trust. God. We need that trust in God. We need to rekindle our trust. And this is what... What led Adam and Eve into trouble, when Satan tempted them to sin, yeah. they let their trust in God die in their heart. Mm. And that's what we have to rekindle and not let die. And when, when we're tempted to let our trust in God die in our heart, we have to say, no, I'm not going to do that, Lord. I don't. I trust you. I trust you. And I renounce the Amen. temptation to let that trust die. I will cling to you, Lord. And what was it Job said? Yeah. Job said, even if he were to slay me, I would trust him. That's right. You know, I know that my Redeemer lives, and on the last day I shall stand upon the dust. Mm. My own eyes, not another's, will gaze upon him. In my body I will look on God my Savior. We await the redemption of our bodies. We look forward to the resurrection of the body. This is part of our faith. Our bodies will be renewed in Christ and will be resurrected. Mary, I'm, I'm just thinking about all this and saying, really? If we believe that, then we don't have a worry in the world because right. we know that by putting our trust in God, in Jesus Christ, that our life is lived according to his commandments, and we're faithful to that, that we will spend eternity with God. And all the stuff here is going to be gone. Right. All the problems of the church, all the problems that you have at home. Everything. Yeah. It's all going to disappear. Let's focus on Jesus Christ. Amen. And it's not to say that the problems aren't real. They're real, but bring God into the center and make God the center of your life so that the problem isn't defeating you. 
and trust God that he's big enough to take care of your problems. Wow, when we come back, we'll give you some more of the Bible teachings with the Bible with the Barbers. You're listening to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow, we'll be right back. Welcome to our January 11, 2020 Spiritual Warfare Conference. Every year without fail, this is our most popular, well-attended event. This year's Spiritual Warfare Conference will host Adam Bly, a Catholic demonologist, and an auxiliary member of the International Association of Exorcists, along with Dr. Luis Sandoval, a psychiatrist who's part of the Healing, Deliverance, and Exorcism team for the Diocese of Orange. These two gentlemen bring tons of experience and expertise in the area of spiritual warfare. This is going to be a high-information Catholic seminar. I'll be there as well, sharing some riveting stories on the diabolical and liberation found through Jesus Christ from my best-selling book, The Devil in the City of Angels. Mark your calendars, come and join us, and meet other radio hosts from Jesus 911. Contrary to popular belief, spiritual warfare is not demon-centered. It's Christ-centered. Come join us and learn how to armor up and fight the good fight of faith. Catholics, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Join us at St. Christopher Catholic Church, 629 South Glendora Avenue, West Covina, California, on January 11, 2020. See you then. Strength and honor in Jesus' name. In Luke 7, Jesus said, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven her, because she has been shown great love. According to St. John of the Cross, Christians should always remember that the value of their good works is not based on number and excellence. Their value is based on the love for God that prompts them to do the works. May we always be motivated by true love for God and not worry so much about what we do, but why we do it. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites The Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%! Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. Thank you. I heard Matthew's advertisement there about it's not what you do, it's with how much love you do. Amen. And that's that's the whole point of the the scriptures, right? The love of God. It's... It's, you know, we think that sometimes we're going to earn God's love or nope. we're going to work hard enough to get it. And it, that's not what it's about. We couldn't possibly earn God's love. God is love. He loves. We wouldn't exist except that he loved us into existence. <laughs> and we wouldn't continue in existence except that he continues to love us. So we ask for a share in his love. Lend me your love, O oh my God, with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserve, St. Therese of Lezu prayed. And then she said, Jesus, lend me your heart with which to love my neighbor, that I may love my neighbor as you commanded. And so, and St. Augustine said, love and do what you will. But what does it mean to love? And what it means to love is to be willing to go to the cross, Mm. to sacrifice my own plans, my own desires, my own preconceived notions, my own will 
in order for the good of another. Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross for our good. He didn't gain anything out of it. It doesn't add anything to God's glory if we choose him. And by the way, it doesn't take anything away from him Mm -hmm. if we reject him. But it makes a difference about our eternal salvation. So what Jesus did is totally for us. Everything God does is for us. And he made us so that we could share in his life. And that's what the scriptures are about. And in the gospel today from from the gospel of Luke, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed, Mm -hmm. which a man plants in a field and then all the birds come. Or the the leaven, the wheat, the the yeast that a woman puts into dough, and and I've made a lot of bread in my life. You so sure have. I've, I've eaten a lot of it. <laughs> my mother was a baker, and she yeah. she was a good baker. She was a very good baker. And so when we were little, we used to help her with the making the bread, and so we all learned how to bake bread. And um, you, it's not much yeast. You know, you have six yeah. cups of flours, and you have I don't know if it's a teaspoon or a tablespoon of of yeast. Yeah. For six cups of flour, it makes the whole, it does, it makes the whole mass of dough rise. And it, it permeates everything. And this is, you know, some people have this idea that, well, you know, my religion, I, I, I reserve that for Sunday morning, you know, or, or um, it, you know, I'm, I'm Christian, I, I, I'm not different, I'm just forgiven. No, if we're truly Christian, Christ will permeate our whole lives. And Mother Teresa had this beautiful prayer she prayed about radiating Christ. And, you know, Jesus, live in me and shine through me. Mm-hmm. So that others will see the light, but the light, Jesus, is all from you. None of it's from me. And then I will serve you in the way that you love best by shining on others, not by what 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 I say so much as by the evident fullness of the love that my heart bears for you, that this love shines out. You know, the catching the, that sympathetic glance, the the willingness to serve someone who might make me uncomfortable. Mother Teresa went and picked up the untouchables out of the street. You know, she did the, she did more to break down the caste system in India than any public policy ever could have. She had young women from noble, from rich families in India joining her order and they were going out and picking up the untouchables out of the streets. And this is it. This is how we break down. There are certain things in society that are unjust. Mm -hmm. And this idea that I'm better than you because I have more money or more education or whatever, Mm -hmm. You know, no, we're willing to serve. And that's what the gospel is about, the kingdom of heaven. And how do we spread the kingdom of heaven? By being Christ to others. You know, Mary, the alleluia verse of today's gospel fits right into what we're doing. It's so beautiful. It says, blessed are you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. You have revealed to the little ones the mysteries of the kingdom. And I thought about the movie we saw, for those who don't know about it, uh, there's a movie called Faustina. Right. And I I loved it. It was about the whole history of devotion to uh, Divine Divine Mercy. But the part I wanted to bring up was one of the priests who was the confessor for Sister Faustina, they were chatting and uh, both of them had PhDs and masters and just lots of education. And uh, he had the conversation in the movie about this little simple nun is teaching me really about my faith that I didn't learn in books. I mean, right. she has no formal education, but she has got she's got the faith like no one. Right, right, and, and, and the faith is that way. The faith is that way. And one of the things, one of the comments of one of the priests was, "Yes, she can listen to God." So oftentimes, when we have more learning or more uh, more of those, the goods of this world, we think that we depend on our learning or the goods of this world. And no, it's it's about the love of God. And this was St. Faustina was a humble 
beautiful soul who loved God deeply, and all she wanted to do was please Jesus. Yep. And this is what we have to learn. And so that's, and then we become the leaven in society. When we focus ourselves on following the Lord first, yep. then, then God can work in and through us. And as, as a priest once said, it's this task that we have of getting out of the way of God's work, of letting God work in and through us to accomplish his purpose. And what does he mean about getting out of the way? I, I I know I've had that experience where I say, I want to do it my way. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's talking about. No, Doug, yeah, Jesus, you don't understand. This is how it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I'll right. give you a good example because storytelling is always good on radio. When I was a younger man, before I married you, Mary, I was going to go to the Philippines and be yeah. a missionary. Yeah, yeah. And you know the story. Maybe you didn't, those who are listening. But I said, it's God's will that I go. I spent $800 on a ticket to fly to Manila. <laughs> I was going to work with my father, Father Ron Tangan and the uh, missionaries there and spread the gospel. And the day before my flight, he calls from the Philippines and tells me it's called off. The mission's been called off. We all are really sick and we don't want you to come because you're going to be as sick as we are. And many of those priests were sick the rest of their lives. Right. This is Maybe, let's see, 1979. So how many years would that be? 40 years ago. 40 years ago. 78, yeah. It was right before I started St. Joe Communications. So here's the point. I thought it was God's will yeah. that I go there. Yeah. But here's the kicker. It wasn't. <laughs> and God said, no, I got something else for you. Well, I started St. Joseph Communications and all these other lay apostolates. You know, 35 million recordings have gone around the world. They're still putting out many recordings through Lighthouse Catholic Media. Now we got, you know, all these things that we're doing. And God said, no, Terry, not your will, my will. Yeah. There's an example. I know in your own life, you have stories like that, too. Absolutely. And that's so that's what we need to try and do. And then. We're, we're, we're here in the Acts of the Apostles now. We'll get back to the Acts of the Apostles. Oh, goody. What's interesting is this all fits in with it, doesn't it? Yeah. Paul, Paul had gone up to Jerusalem. It was his last visit to Jerusalem. We talked about that last time. Mm-hmm. And the Jews, some Jews had uh, made a vow. Forty men had bound themselves by a vow that they would die before, they'd die of starvation and, 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 and uh, dehydration. And, uh, they won't eat or drink anything until they've killed Paul. Wow. Well, I don't know if they ever did, but the wow. deal was they got word of it. So Paul, you know, gets out of Jerusalem. But Jesus had told Paul he's going to go to Rome. Mm-hmm. So now they, they, Paul's at Caesarea and he's waiting trial. And the Jews are going to come to Caesarea before the governor, Felix. And um, the Jews come and they bring their little lawyer along with them. And they, you know, make their charges against Paul. And what they're trying to say is they're trying to get the Romans to, to, to put Paul to death. So they're saying this guy's a troublemaker. He's making all kinds of problems. Everywhere he goes, he's causing trouble and causing riots in the, in, in, in the empire. So, well, that wasn't true. It's interesting how, you know, Luke, the account of Paul's trial here in Acts 24, 25, and 26 very much parallels the trial of Jesus before Pilate. And you know, you have Luke is the one who tells us that Jesus was tried before the Sanhedrin, that he was tried before Pilate, and he was tried before Herod mm. also. And Paul is also tried before the Sanhedrin. He's tried before the, the Roman governor. And then he's tried also before the Jewish king, Agrippa. He'll be tried before this trial is over. And there are many parallels between the, the, the trial of Christ and, and the trial of Paul. Well, Paul is following who? He's following Christ. So it makes sense that his trial is going to be like his Lord's trial. 
and there's false accusations. He's being told that he's... like Jesus had him. Exactly. He was a troublemaker, right? And isn't that what the Jews said about Jesus before Pilate? Well, he stirred up trouble all the way from Galilee to here, and he's just getting all the people riled up. And, oh, Galilee, and that's why he ends up getting sent to Herod, right? Because... Says, oh, he's Herod's jurisdiction. Pilate's going to pass him off to Herod. <laughs> Get rid of this. So, should we be surprised, Mary, in our own lives that we're going to be persecuted for following Jesus? No, and that's it. And that's one of the things. It's one of the things that catches us by surprise. We as Christians, we think that if we follow Jesus, everything is going to work out well. And what's interesting is we think that whenever there's a trial or a, a contradiction, mm-hmm. oh, right away somebody says the devil, the devil, the devil. Give Wait too a minute. Much credit. Is this the devil? No. Paul was told by Jesus when he was converted how much he would have to suffer for the Lord Jesus and the spread of the Gospels. And it and it's because that's the way it is. Because we sinned, because man sinned and turned away from God, there will be suffering, there will be trial. And by the way, all of us who are suffering... All of our sufferings can be offered up in union with Jesus to help the world. Your suffering has meaning. You widows out there, you widowers, your suffering has meaning. Your loneliness can be united to Jesus Christ and offered up. Those who have lost your jobs, who are having a hard time financially, your sufferings can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And I'm not saying that other people shouldn't reach out and help you. That we as Christians need to look around at our Christian community and see, you know, what can we do to help the widowed and the orphaned and those who've lost their jobs? There's a beautiful story here in West Covina. There was a man who lost oh, his yeah. job and Tell he had what, eight kids? Eight or? kids, yeah. And Christopher's, yeah. Two years he searched for a job and he was looking. He was actively looking for a job. For two years he couldn't find a job. And he was from St. Christopher's Parish and the parishioners reached out and helped his family and helped take care of his family. This is the kind of thing we need to do. So we need to look to those who are suffering. But in the meantime, those who are suffering, your suffering has meaning. Don't despair. All of our trials can be offered up in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And I'll give you a scripture verse to read. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. I fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the good of the church. As Bishop Sheen says, every action is like a blank check. If Christ's name is on it, it has infinite value. Mary, I want to give a plug for tonight, your Bible study. Yeah. Tell us what's going on. Well, for my Bible study tonight, everyone, please come. <laughs> We're going to have a gentleman giving a presentation on the Shroud of Turin. His name is Deacon Peter Lauder yep. from the Diocese of Orange, California. And he's been doing this. He's given over 25 times. That's right. And so he's going to be presenting the Shroud of Turin to us. A beautiful meditation on the Passion of Christ, because the Shroud of Turin is a beautiful meditation on the Passion of Christ. And he'll give us the whole history of the Shroud, where it's been, how long we've had it, um, where it originated. This is, it's pretty exciting, people. You need to come for for Bibles with the Bible study tonight at the Sacred Heart Chapel from 7 to 9. And we're going to have a special presentation on the Shroud of Turin. And I'm going to be there also. I really want you to come, because... We talked about this, the earlier show with the Terry and Jesse show, how meditating on the passion of Christ with scripture and our meditations brings us to a greater love for Jesus. I would say this, without any doubt, Mary, people who come tonight will have a greater appreciation of what Jesus did on the cross for you specifically, and it'll give you insight that you'll have for the rest of your life. So that's at 7 p.m. tonight, Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. Love to have you there. This is what the 29th of October, and yes. um, yeah, because people listen to it on podcast. Sorry, but uh, it's live right now. Tomorrow, uh, tonight at 7 p.m. We'd love to have you come. 
And today is October 29th. So, yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll hope to see you all there at the Bible study tonight. And uh, we'll be back right after the break here. We hear that music coming up. And we'll talk a little bit more about Paul's trial before the Roman governor. And what does that mean for us in our lives as Christians? Well said, Mary. I'm excited. I want to know about that. We'll be right back. Get yourself a cup of coffee. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome, Daniel. You're on the line. What's on your mind, brother? Hi, I just wanted to share a testimony about Virgin Most Powerful Radio. I had a buddy at work who, you know, he's a lukewarm Catholic guy, and I wanted him to start listening to the Terry and Jesse show, so I kept telling him to download the app, and he kept putting me off. So one day, I grabbed his phone, and I downloaded the app <laughs> for him. I went on vacation, and you know, I kept telling him to listen to it. He was kind of put me off. I came back from vacation. He comes to my cubicle, and he says to me, Hey, man, I've been listening to Terry and Jesse's show, and it's great. And it's uh, made a big impact in his life. The guy, he's going to weekly adoration a couple times a wow. week. He goes to the Mass in the morning. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's an on-fire Catholic, and he promotes uh, the Terry and Jesse show and the Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Wow. Daniel, what a testimony. And I want to encourage our listeners to get those cards by going to virginmostpowerfulradio.org and uh, do what Daniel's doing. Go out and spread the faith by inviting people to listen to Virgin Most Powerful. Daniel, thanks for your testimony, brother. God love you. You're welcome. This is Terry Barber. I want to invite you to take advantage of having your funeral or your loved one's funeral at the Sacred Heart Chapel in downtown Covina. It's a 115-year-old church, beautiful chapel. And all you got to do is call me at 661-972-7872, and I'll personally make the arrangements with your mortuary to have your funeral or your loved one's funeral here at Sacred Heart Chapel. You won't regret it. 661-972-7872. God love you. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US1. This is Jesse Romero. You're listening to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Well, thank you, Jesse. And here we are again. And we're talking about Paul and his trial. And first he was before Felix. And it was interesting because Felix, it was kind of like what Herod did with, with uh, John the Baptist. And, you know, he, he, he liked to listen to him. But Felix had some moral differences with, um, you know, the, 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 the Ten Commandments. So, uh mm-hmm. And and his wife, too, who was a Jewess, uh, this was uh, Felix, I don't know, Felix, she had been married before, and she married Felix for position. And so um, when Paul talks to them about Christianity and giving up sin, you know, it's like, eh, you know, we'll listen to you later, you know. So, uh, not yet. And so um, Felix is, you know, he, he wanted to ingratiate himself to the Jews. And so he's going to, he, he keeps Paul in prison. He doesn't let Paul out, even though he can't find anything wrong, you know. So he's and he's there, and um, 
what happens is is that um, Paul is is you know Felix had asked him if he was willing to go back to Jerusalem be tried and he said no I'm not going to go to Jerusalem I don't want to be tried there and so um, after Felix was governor another governor comes in chapter 25 of the Acts and it's Festus and Festus is going to resume the trial and so Festus first he goes when Festus first becomes the governor. Again, he wants to ingratiate himself with the Jews. Remember, the Romans kind of walked on, on eggshells with the Jews to some extent for until 70 AD. They finally got fed up with them in 70 AD and just wiped out the city of Jerusalem. But they, they were cautious with the Jews. They knew the history of the Jews. They knew the stories of how their God had fought for them, and they didn't quite understand them. And so they, and the Jews could, you know, they, were, they would stir up trouble. You would have revolts and things. And so they tried to make it so that there was some kind of peace in the, the, the Middle East by keeping peace with the Jews. If you kept peace with the Jews, then the Jews would keep peace in the area. So um, when Festus arrives as the new governor, he goes to Jerusalem and, and they tell him about this prisoner, Paul, who's, but Festus isn't going to, he's not going to concede too much to the Jews. And he tells him, look, I'm going up to Caesarea. I'll, I'll see this prisoner and you can come up and make your charges against him. So he goes back up to Caesarea and the Jews come and they make their, their charges against him. And, um, of course, the Jews keep pushing for bringing Paul back to Jerusalem. And the deal is, is if they can get the Romans to bring him back, they're going to ambush Paul. They're going to put him to death. They want Paul dead because Paul is preaching Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. as the Messiah. And he's preaching the resurrection of the dead. And he's preaching that, that this new way, they called it the way, this new way is the, this is the fulfillment of everything that was promised to us in Judaism. But they're not ready yet to give up the temple and the temple sacrifices. And they're not willing to accept Jesus as their Messiah Mm -hmm. because accepting Jesus as a Messiah, the Jews had come to expect a worldly paradise. Yep. And are we Christians in the same position today? As, Nothing's changed. You know, are we expecting a worldly paradise? Are we expecting God to remove all suffering from our life mm-hmm. and just let us have a, a nice, easy life here on earth? And then, you know, we get to be in heaven for all eternity when we die. It's like, wait a minute, people. That's not what it was for Jesus. Jesus didn't have a nice, easy life here on earth. We're following Christ. What do we expect? And he was persecuted. And he said, if they've persecuted me, they will persecute you. And the deal is, if everybody's speaking well of you, Jesus said, woe to you. Be careful. When all people speak well of you. We're not here to ingratiate ourselves to the world, the flesh, and the devil. By the way, we're not here to be entertained 24 hours a day. (laughs) Yeah, you know, shock of ages here, people. You know, we Christians, we like to watch our television shows, and we like to watch our soap operas, and we like to watch our whatever whatever it is, and not really spend time in prayer. You know, do we have time for prayer anymore? People say, well, I don't have time to pray. Well, how many hours do you watch TV every day? Oh, I don't know, three, maybe four. Uh, wait a minute, you know, what was it? We went to the movie last night to see, to see Love and Mercy, Faustina, and uh, Terry said, you know, this is the new church. Look at all these people coming out. This is a weeknight, a Monday night. Act. All these people oh, coming out, you know, and you've got all these, you've got seven, what is it, 17 theaters yeah. in the theater? Yeah. You've got one big movie house with 17 theaters in it, you know, 17 movies going on at one time, and all these people lining up to buy these tickets, you know, where's your new church? And you're going to sit there for what, an hour and a half, two hours, maybe yeah. three hours, and watch what? How is this bringing you closer to God? 
And so we need to examine our lives. We need to examine our priorities and what we're doing. Do we have time to pray? When you love someone, don't you make time to spend with them? Yeah. Hey, Mary, you're making me uncomfortable for 30 years. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, no. Folks, this is how she talked to me when I first met her. Now you know why I married her, okay? <laughs> because I was serious about being a saint. Yeah, we want we, we want wanted, to follow and, Christ. Exactly. And when I saw heard this, I said, man, this girl's got, she's serious about, uh, you know, following Christ. And I thought that was the most attracting thing for me. That was. And, and I, I think that. it's attracting to all of us to be inspired to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ. Amen. And that was, see, Paul constantly had before his eyes his goal. What is the goal? The goal is to get to heaven. Amen. The goal is to win souls for Christ. Amen. And at one point in one of his letters, he'll say, I long to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Yeah. But to remain means productive toil for you, and I do not know which to prefer. That's right. So he left it in the hands of God. When God is ready, he will take me home to heaven. And in the meantime, I will spread the gospel, no matter the persecution. And he did suffer for the gospel. He suffered a lot. He talks about it in his letters. And he's not bragging. He's boasting, but he's not boasting for the sake of drawing attention to himself. He's boasting for the sake of telling Christians, this is what we have to be willing to do for the Gospels. Are we willing to follow Christ to the cross? Because this is what we're called to do. Because if we follow Christ to the cross, we'll share in his resurrection. But if we walk away from the cross, we can have no hope of sharing in his resurrection. Jesus Christ didn't get to Easter Sunday morning without going through Calvary. What was it Bishop Sheen said? Without Good Friday, there's no Easter Sunday. That's right. So if we want to follow Christ in the resurrection, we have to follow him first in suffering. And that doesn't mean we have to look for suffering or draw it upon ourselves or go out there and be obnoxious and try and get people to beat us up. No, we have to be Christ for others. And if we truly are Christ for others, it will draw the persecution And it's not the persecutions we choose that are the most important. It's not the sacrifices we choose. It's the one that come to us unexpectedly. Mary, I think this is the issue right now in the church today is who's influencing who. The secular world or is the Catholic Church having an influence? Even I'll bring up the Amazon Senate that we talked about a couple days ago and saying, wait a minute, are are we going to have paganism influence us or are we going to proclaim Jesus Christ? And I say this in our own church here in America. Yeah. The secular world has influenced us so that by the time a 23-year-old Catholic is at age 23, 88% of them are not practicing their Catholic faith. Now, yeah. we call them the nuns, you know, the yeah. people who are not practicing. But I think you nailed it by the word compromise. In other words, suffering. How many of us are saying, well, wait a minute, I just want to get along. Right. I don't want anybody to know I'm a Catholic. Yeah, I just want to be comfortable. I just want to fit in with everybody else. It doesn't work that way. You can't live your faith that way. No, and if you think you can, read the Old Testament, because that's what the Jews would do. And then they would start worshiping the false gods, and then God would send them into exile. Yep. He's, he, he can't, he, and God is God loves us. And he, he loves us, Scott Hahn always used to say, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that I way. That you see, because just the way we are is we're sinners turned away from God. Yeah. We aren't oriented toward God. We're oriented away from God. We're oriented toward our own pleasure and just serving ourselves. We can't get to heaven that way. So God wants to reorient us and turn us back to himself. And how do we do that normally through the Catholic Church? 
Do we just say the sinner's prayer? Or what do we do, Mary? We do more than say the sinner's prayer. Yeah, we say the sinner's prayer. You know, Lord Jesus Christ, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus, come into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Absolutely. But we do more than that. We pray every day. What about confession? We go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. The church says at least once a month. People, are you going to confession at least once a month? Are you encouraging your family members and your coworkers and the people you meet? Go to confession, confess your sins. Jesus is waiting for you in the sacrament of confession to forgive you because he loves you. And just a little technique. When the kids were young, we used to go to the ice cream shop after going to confession. Yeah. Because I wanted them to understand that we were celebrating the fact that we were having our sins forgiven through confession. And we should be happy. Amen. So I know it sounded like a a little incentive, but you know what, Mary? As you know, when I was a child, my parents did the same thing. Right. We would go to 31 flavors. And boy, confession wasn't so bad when I first, but now they gave me a pattern. Right. You know, to to have like, you know, it's almost like uh, good habits. Exactly. You talk about eating habits. Well, the spirituality is a similar thing. We have to have good spiritual habits we do. to live holy lives. Exactly. We have to have good spiritual habits. And so um, the deal is, is that just as Paul witnesses before the Roman governors and he, and, he, and he tells them they have to give up living their immoral lives. And that's, you know, that makes him a little comfortable. And he's like, like Herod, you know, he didn't, John the Baptist was telling him to give up his immorality, but he felt the attraction of the words, but he wasn't quite ready to give up the immorality. And then eventually John ends up dead. So these Roman governors, you know, they might feel the attraction of Paul's words, but they're still not quite ready to give up their immoral living. <laughs> We have to ask God for the grace every day to be willing to give up our sins so that we can live in union with him. Sin doesn't have any place in God. God hates sin. He doesn't hate the sinner. He hates sin. If I can add one more thing that you and I have tried to do each day is ask Jesus Christ for more faith. Amen. Every day, because to get to that point, what you're saying, if you're not asking Jesus for more faith, you won't have it to do that. That's right. Faith is a gift and it can be lost. Ask for more faith. And by the way, ask for more hope and more charity every day, too. And the work of faith is prayer. So pray. The work of hope is mortification. So make a sacrifice every day and ask the Lord for more faith, more hope every day. And the work of charity is almsgiving. Give to the poor. You don't have to give to every beggar that comes along. But yes, we do have to give to the poor. When I was hungry, you gave me to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. You know, whatever you did to the least of my brothers, you did to me. And we don't need to judge. I had a grandma, my mother's mother. They lived out on a farm in, in Minnesota. They were eight miles out of town. And whenever someone would come by their door, she would feed them. She never let anybody go by their door and not feed them. And my mom, as a teenager, said to her mother one day, Mama, most of those people don't even deserve that. And her mother said, You know, honey, I'd rather feed 99 undeserving people than turn away one who actually deserved it. And I don't know. So I'm going to feed them all. Wow, one more segment with the Bible with the Barbers. I have to uh, take off right now, but you're in good hands with Mary Danielle. Need to refill your coffee cup? Do it. We'll be right back with more on the Bible with the Barbers. This is Jesse Romero. And I'm Terry Barber. From the Terry and Jesse Show. And we invite you to listen to the Holy Hour of Power, High Energy Catholic Radio. We're two Catholics with a PhD in common sense. We're on Monday through Friday on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. What we're going to give you is masculine Catholic teachings on the faith. 
You know, we say we're too inspired to be tired, we're too protected to be dejected, and we're too renewed to be subdued. Why? Because we believe in Jesus Christ and His bride, the church. And we will take each issue of the day and show you how the Catholic Church has the answer for our culture. What we really do is bring men back into the Catholic Church, which it's about time to do. We want men to be leaders in their Catholic faith so that they can bring their family to heaven. Our program is not right versus left. It's right versus wrong. And our program is where Catholicism and culture intersect. It's high energy Catholic radio. We're going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and his bride to the church. The Terry and Jesse show on the Virgin Most Powerful app. Jesus said to the apostles in Luke chapter 10, Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me. According to St. Boniface, In her voyage across the ocean of this world, the church is like a great ship being pounded by the waves of life's different stresses. Our duty is not to abandon ship, but to keep her on course. May our Lord help us remain ever faithful to his church, to aid and defend her. Buying or selling your home or your business property? This is Terry Barber. Real Estate for Life underwrites the Terry and Jesse Show. And they can connect you to one of 900 pro-life real estate agents around the world. And when they receive their referral fee, they will give 80% of it to a pro-life organization. Wow! That's 80%. Realestateforlife.org, 877-LIFE-US-1. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. And Terry stepped out here. He won't be with us for the last segment, but we'll finish up here. We're with Paul, and Paul is in Caesarea, and he's standing trial before the Roman tribunal because the Jews had tried to kill him, and he's a Roman citizen, so the, the Romans are protecting him. So Festus is the new provincial here. He's the new governor, and he has Paul, and he told the Jews that they need to come to Caesarea and present their case. So they present their case, and um, and so Paul tells him, you know, what happens is Festus says to him, he says, well, um, are you willing to go to Jerusalem for trial? And go to Jerusalem for trial. Well, Paul has reason for not wanting to go to Jerusalem for trial because he knows the Jews are waiting in late, wait, lying in wait to ambush him and kill him. And the Lord has told him that he needs to testify to the Lord in Rome. So he knows that his destiny is not Jerusalem. He's left Jerusalem behind. His destiny is Rome because the Lord has told him this. And Paul says, neither against the law of the Jews, nor against the temple, nor against Caesar, have I offended at all. And you know, Festus wanted to to ingratiate himself to the Jews. And he says, well, we can take you to Jerusalem. And Paul tells him, he says, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong. And you know that very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing in these charges against me, no one can give me up to them. I appeal to Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he had the right to appeal to Caesar. 
Paul uses his Roman citizenship to accomplish the will of God. And the deal was the Jews wanted to bring him back to Jerusalem so that they had some men waiting and who were going to ambush whoever brought Paul back and they would kill Paul. But the deal was, is Paul appeals to Caesar. So Festus says, well, okay. He talks to his council and they said, look, he's a, he's a Roman citizen. He's appealed to Caesar. He has this right as a Roman citizen. He can be tried by Caesar. So that's where you're going to go. You're going to go to Rome and be tried by Caesar. Now, Festus brings in Agrippa, and Agrippa and King Bernice, uh, Agrippa is the king, and Bernice is the queen, and Agrippa is the king of the Jews at this point, you know, Herod Agrippa. Is, this is the second Herod Agrippa. This is Herod Agrippa II. He's the son of Herod Agrippa I. And he was born in the year 27. But he, he won favor with Rome and had given up various territories in northern Palestine. He'd been given northern, various areas in northern Palestine which he was allowed to rule with the title of king. Oh, Bernice was his sister. So Agrippa and Bernice are, are, are there. They come to, to Caesarea to welcome Festus. And the king tells him, he says, you know, the chief priest, I, Felix left this prisoner. He'd been here for two years and Felix left him behind. His name is Paul. And so um, he's here in prison and I could release him. There's done nothing, but he's appealed to Rome. And, um, what am I supposed to do? And so Agrippa says, yeah, I'll listen to Paul. So they set up a time and Paul's going to preach to Agrippa and uh, Bernice and, you know, make a presentation to them. So the next day they come and they have all the pomp and circumstance and Paul speaks to Agrippa and he says, um, I think myself fortunate that is before you, King Agrippa, I am to make my defense today. This is in chapter 26 of Acts of the Apostles against all the accusations of the Jews, because you are especially familiar with all the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me. My manner of life from my youth spent from the beginning among my own nation and at Jerusalem is known by all the Jews. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that according to the strictest party of our religion, I have lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial for hope and the promise made by God to our fathers, to which our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship night and day. And for this hope, I am accused by the Jews. Why is this thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? I myself am convinced that I ought to, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So Paul gives his whole history. He's not ashamed. He's not going to pretend like he wasn't a persecutor of the new way of the Christians. He persecuted them and he doesn't, you know, it's like, yes, but, but he's been redeemed in Christ. And this is the deal with our sins. If we truly give our sins to the Lord and allow us, allow him to redeem us, then we don't have to hide our past. Yes, I'm a sinner. I'm a redeemed sinner. So I've given up sin. I've left the sin behind and now I live for Christ and I allow Christ to live in me. Now, wait, we may not be there perfectly yet, but we're striving. Okay. So we don't have to hide our past from anybody if we've confessed it to the Lord. And Paul, you know, he talks about how he persecuted the church and, and then what? And he tells about what happened on the road to Damascus. 
that as he was journeying to Damascus with letters from the high priest to arrest anyone following this new way, any Christian following this new way, and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial, at midday I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. And the goads. We looked it up because what is a goad? The goad is a stick that you use to prod cattle forward. And so the Lord is trying to prod Saul, Paul, by the way, he had two names. Jesus didn't change his name. His, his Jewish name was Saul. His Roman name was Paul. And the Lord is trying to prod him forward to a greater following of the Lord, to a closer following of the Lord. Saul, as far as he knew, was following the Lord because he was keeping the law and he was a Pharisee, a strict Pharisee, and he kept the law perfectly, extremely disciplined man. There are those people in this world who have this incredible discipline and you wonder at them. It's like, how can you do that? (laughs) You know, we don't all have it, but those of us who don't have, it's not a problem. We can just repent every time we fall down. It's like, Lord, no, I don't have that discipline. I didn't fast as much as I should have, but you know what, Lord, I give it to you. It's not about what I did. It's the love with which I did it. Remember how much love did I do it with? Am I doing it for the Lord or am I doing it for myself? Am I trying to make myself look good? Do I want people to look at me and congratulate me? Or do I want people to say, praise God for all the good that he does? We praise you, Lord. We bless you. We worship you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks for your great glory. Praise and adoration, honor and thanksgiving and glory, power and might to our God. Worthy are you, O Lord, worthy of all praise and all worship. You know, mighty and wonderful are your works, Lord God Almighty. Righteous and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who would dare refuse you honor or the glory do your name? Do we refuse him honor and the glory do his name? We do when we sin. But repent, repent. And so Paul tells his story. And then he witnesses to Agrippa. And he talks about his, his conversion here on the road to Damascus and how the Lord sent him to the Gentiles to preach not just to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles, that the gospel is for all men of all time, for all men, women, and children of all times and places, the gospel. And it's not about, okay, oh, well, you're living in this sinful way of life. It's okay. God understands. No, this is the freedom. God has won freedom for you. He has bought and paid for you at a price. The precious blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has been poured out for each one of us to free us from the power of sin and death. As long as we sin, we are slaves of sin. And Jesus said, no slave has a permanent place in the Father's household. But Jesus sets us free with his blood. That means we give up our sins and we repent of sin. And so it was even to the Gentiles that he was to preach so that they could understand and turn them from darkness to light, to turn them away from Satan to God. When people are enslaved by Satan, you know, when the, when the Jesuit missionaries came to North America and they, they encountered the Iroquois Indians, they wrote back to their superiors, we are not fighting men, we're fighting demons. The witch doctors were devil worshipers and they kept the people enslaved because they got their power from the devil. And yeah, they could do lots of nice little tricks because the devil has, he's a, he's a fallen angel. He has a, he has a lot of power. He can do things that appear miraculous. They're not miraculous. It's not from God, but he can enslave people this way. 
And he, he had the witch doctors were enslaved to him because they got power over the people. And then they led the people in sin and idolatry and worshiping the, de- the demons and in, in cannibalism and in wife swapping and in horrible practices, infanticide. And all of these things are from the demons. They're not from God. God loves us and he, he made us for love. So Paul says that I came to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and have a place among those who are sanctified by faith. This is what Jesus sent Paul to do. And so Paul is speaking to Agrippa, and he's telling them all that God has done through him. And the Jews are trying to kill him. And because the Jews are trying to kill him, he has, I have no case against the Jews. I'm not trying to bring the Jews before the tribunal to be tried. I just want to live in the freedom of a child of God, preaching the word of God. And so just as the Christ would have to suffer, but he would rise from the dead. And this is Paul's point. I'm preaching the resurrection of the dead. When he preached before the Jews, and he knew that the Sanhedrin was made up of Sadducees and Pharisees. He says, I'm on trial for my belief in the resurrection of the dead, immediately defi- dividing the assembly because the Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. The Sadducees didn't believe in angels or demons or spirits. And so Paul knew that by appealing to his belief in the resurrection of the dead, he would divide the assembly. And of course, right away, the Pharisees are saying, well, what if a spirit spoke to him or an angel spoke to him? And then, of course, the Sadducees, it's a big fight, right? Well, that's what happened already in you know chapters 22, 23, 24, where Paul was first arrested. So now he's speaking before the, the king of the Jews, the puppet king of the Jews. He's a Roman appointee, and he's not even necessarily a Jew. And, and Paul is going, he's defending himself but he knows all he can do is preach the truth, preach the truth, preach the truth. And each man has to decide for himself whether or not he's going to follow it. And that's for us too. We're not going to save anyone. We can preach the truth, preach the truth, preach the truth. But each person has to decide for themselves whether they're going to follow it, whether they're going to live in the freedom of the sons of God, a freedom from sin that we will no longer sin, but live in the grace of God or whether we're going to be slaves of sin and turn away from God. That's our choice. Please join me tonight with the Bible study at the Sacred Heart Chapel at 7 p.m. We're going to have a special presentation on the Shroud of Turin. It's exciting. Thank you all for, for listening, for your donations, for your prayers and sacrifices. Thank you for your prayer requests. We do pray that for them, the requests you sent in. And we hope you'll join us again next week. Bible with the Barbers, and we'll be finishing up the Acts of the Apostles soon and moving on into more of the scriptures and falling deeper in love with God every day. Thank you for listening. St. Faustina's Prayer for Priests O my Jesus, I beg thee on behalf of the whole church, grant it love and the light of thy spirit, and give power to the words of priests, so that hardened hearts might be brought to repentance and return to Thee, O Lord. Lord, give us holy priests. Thou Thyself maintain them in holiness. O Divine and Great High Priest, may the power of Thy mercy accompany them everywhere and protect them from the devil's traps and snares 
which are continually being set for the souls of priests. May the power of thy mercy, O Lord, shatter and bring to naught all that might tarnish the sanctity of priests. For thou canst do all things. Amen. Virgin Most Powerful, pray for us. Virgin Most Powerful Radio, sharing the gospel with clarity and charity.